Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Twitter grapple with nuisance spam from the Chinese state intended to obscure news of COVID restriction protests happening in cities across the country. Even though Amazon Alexa devices are pretty popular, the digital assistants are on pace to lose $10 billion this year because users just don't buy products with them. The Department of Justice opens an investigation into a real estate tech company accused of collusion with landlords over rent prices. And the UK launches a market probe into Apple and Google's mobile dominance with their respective browsers, but this seems different than the old Internet Explorer saga. We've got all this and more for you in episode 62 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly is your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Can I Lose 20 Pounds by New Year's? <laughs> that's aggressive. That's, that's aggressive. That's aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at the two pounds a week kind yeah, no, of guideline. No, I, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking to do some uh, not intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting, what do they call it? <laughs> Don't eat. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, so no, cause my birthday is New Year's and I had all these plans and then Thanksgiving came and I was just like, you know what? Not off even rails. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Off the rails. Not even that. Like the month of November. I really did. I mean, you was, you, I don't know. Seems like you kind of went ham on a Halloween candy too, though. Oh yeah. Dad so. Text. Well, yeah, I did that. Well, that, that's a responsibility, still, though. You know, you, you got to take the kids' candy. You know, you got to get them to learn what taxes is like. Well, well, so my thing is, I've never really been the type of person to um, starve myself when it comes to uh, diet. Now, I will eat better. You know, I will cut down on things, but it's not, I'm not one of those people, oh, cut out sugar. Cut out carbs, cut out meat, cut out, cut out whatever. I'll cut Everything down. Moderation. Right. I cut down, I'll cut back. Uh, and then my thing is on holidays, I don't diet on vacations. I don't diet and definitely That's on right. birthdays. Definitely Listen, on birthdays. Life is short. Right. Cause I love cake. So, you know, any, any birthday, I'm going to eat some cake. Right. But for the past year, I've been exercising like heavy regular, regular, like, on the regular, even when I was on vacation, even when it was somebody's birthday or it was a holiday. When November hit, I just didn't do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so on top of on top of eating heavy um, for Thanksgiving and then the week leading up, because my wife didn't cook, so we kind of just ate out and ate junk food or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't exercise at all. So now it's like, all right, I got to get extra 
back into it because like I said, my birthday is on New Year's. So me and my wife get dressed up. We go out and I'm going to need to work off a couple of these pounds. So I got to kick in extra you guys, gear here. <laughs> you got some good time though. 30 days is not a bad amount of time if you, if you focus. And a little over. I got a buffer time in there. So we got, you know, a, a, a month and a week. Looks yeah, like it. You can pull it together. I have faith. <laughs> we so, shall see. So I'm, I'm with you on, on the working now. Believe it or not, today, my oldest daughter and I started our, our, you know, our old year's resolution. Um, as I call it, cause we don't do the new year's resolution. We, we do, we just decided we're going to start working out. And we, we made a plan about a month ago and we said that Monday after, uh, Thanksgiving, we was going to hit it. So, uh, today's the first day. Tomorrow will be the first day that we're together. We're, you know, I'm going to pick her up. We're going to both go to the gym workout. So I'll be with you, man. I, I ain't doing that diet thing. It's my diet is just eat better, um, as compared to cutting it. But, uh, I'm with you, man. It's like, you know, got to get that sexy back. But, uh, before we get to, uh, our first tech story, just want to, uh, shout out all of our patrons who are hanging out with us here in the, uh, in the live stream and let everybody listening know that you can also become a patron, um, of the tech john. Head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john. That's the tech J A W N. And we've got multiple tiers over there. Any of those tiers get you access to our live stream and after party. And, you know, anything that you uh, do to help support the show and allow us to bring this tech to you, we really appreciate. So I um, just want to get that little commercial out of the way and then kind of jump into, uh, you know, some tech. It really was because of the holiday, uh, you know, was a light um, kind of uh, tech week. But uh, one thing that I noticed, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to um, what's going over uh, going on over in China. Um, where they're basically, they are under like early 2020 COVID like restrictions again. I mean, they, they're shutting down cities and there's just a ton of unrest, a ton of protest. So what it looks like is happening is that the government is actually spamming Twitter with, uh, you know, they're basically sending out, uh, a bunch of like porn sites and adult sites and this and that and the other. Um, obscuring the news of the protest. And the reason they're doing that is because so many of the mod, the human moderators have either been let go or have left Twitter. They just got a humongous queue. So you've actually, and this is not the first time that the government has done this. They've done this on numerous occasions to try to, you know, trample down speech. They're trying to make sure that, you know, folks aren't able to get their message out. But I just thought that this was, you know, an interesting story. I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out why not puppies? Why not flowers? Why not waterfalls? Why not? Because well, I think what they're trying to do to get <laughs> they're trying to get um, content with specific from specific regions and specific um, cities downgraded. So you know you can spam with puppies, but somebody out there may still be searching for puppies. But if you're mm-hmm. spamming with porn, that's gonna get that content. All coming from Shenzhen or Shanghai or or something like that. That's gonna downgrade all of that type of content and and suppress it. I guess is the is the word I'm looking for. And and people are less likely to see any content from that region if it's a lot of that objectionable gotcha, content. Gotcha, gotcha. So I gotcha. think yeah, I think that because it, it, it they're definitely tying location to the tweets that they're putting out there. Um, and, and again, it, you know, you, you get 
50,000 tweets, 50,000 porn tweets from, from Shanghai, the, the rest of the content from Shanghai is going to get, you know, suppressed to yeah, a certain degree. Gotcha. Um, and I think that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. And another thing is that, you know, just when it comes to content moderation, um, there's definitely AI and bots to do quite a bit of it, but there's generally humans on the backside of it to go and check to make sure that yeah. they are suppressing the right thing. Oh no, this was, this was not a, it was not what we thought it was. It was something else. Let's go ahead and let that come out. And I think, you know, it's just kind of an avalanche. There are way uh, less people who do that kind of thing at Twitter um, right now right. than there were before. So this is enough before. Exactly. That's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, uh, this story isn't so much about necessarily what Elon is doing. It's about just issues that Twitter has had, uh, you know, uh, historically and systematically, but it seems like, especially right now, uh, China has said, Oh, this is the attack that we're going to use, or this is the ex- exploit that we're going to use because we know that it works. And it's going to probably especially work if there are fewer people to actually go and say, Oh no, this is the right thing to let through. Oh no, this is the right thing to let through. So, um, Absolutely. just Pretty another right. way that it's interesting. I'm, I'm trying to understand, um, Specifically, because the I think one of the main issues that sort of sparked the protest was that there was a fire in an apartment building and 10 people got killed. And they're blaming that on the fact that the emergency responders couldn't get to them quickly enough because of the COVID lockdown. And I'm and I'm trying to understand, like, were they locked inside the building? Is that what their lockdown looks like? Or is it such that? Responders can't get through certain streets that get locked out. Like it, it, it's very, very draconian. But I've been hearing some reports about the fact that, you know, they got to get tested regularly. If one person in a, in a, in an apartment building tests positive, but even, but doesn't have symptoms, even the whole building has to get locked down, like really, really hardcore things. But with respect to that particular fire, uh, I'm like, was the building like the outside door <laughs> was that locked and they had locked the people in? Like, are they in imprisoned in China right now because of that? And it, it just seems really, really like wild over there. Well, you know, uh, I guess enough for them to protest enough for China as a government to suppress all of the protests because we United States, we protested COVID, but we really wasn't about it. Like China, <laughs> they are right now. So it must be something serious to where they're like, you know what? Oh, Enough of this. <laughs> it's been the last three years. Yeah, and, and I think they're just kind of over it at this point, but it's just like, what are y'all doing? And, and, and it, they haven't been able to, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just on this because I literally was listening to this in, in on NPR today and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the minister of education or communication or whatever over there basically was saying China's not doing enough good PR because they're not even really pointing to how well this policy is working. Like mm-hmm. how many lives have been saved because you won't let people leave their homes? You know, how many potential deaths have been avoided? How, like they, they're, they're not doing a good job of saying whether or not this policy even works. And, mm-hmm. and now people are speaking and they don't want it. So something going to have mm-hmm. to give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a mess over there. And Twitter is one of the ways that we hear about the stuff. It's like, you know, we, we, you know, how do we know that maybe they had the, uh, the doors locked, you know, or building that let people out. That's how you know, we don't know that that's the case. We don't know it's not the case, but generally Twitter would be the thing that would let us know that. 
And the government is taking a stance that, nah, we, we don't want nobody knowing anything that we don't want them to know. So, uh, you know, th- that, that is a thing, um, you know, with China. Like, so this is, n- this is not a new thing for them. This is not something that has never happened before. It's probably something that's going to happen again, but it's just interesting that, um, you know, you know, governments that do this kind of stuff, they're up on what's happening within companies. It's like they're going to figure out where they can exploit and they're going to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, you, you know, I mean, literally, it's probably someone's job. How can we suppress this information that people are trying to put on Twitter? Let's make all the stuff look bad. If, if everything that's coming out of here looks like it needs to be moderated, then nothing that's coming out of here is not going to be moderated. And maybe because there's fewer moderators, the news that we don't want getting out is not going to get out. It's and, almost like a DDoS like style attack. Yeah. To, Swatting to themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Almost like a DDoS. And it's funny because I I saw, I think, in one of the other articles you posted, Rob, about the idea, and I and I heard this on NPR too, that they were using a piece of white paper as a symbol of their voices being suppressed because, you know. Other imagery and, and captions, you know, the government's looking for specific captions that they can, you know, censor and stuff like that. So people have been just taking pictures, holding up mm-hmm. a blank sheet of white paper to show that they're being silenced. And now the government has started looking for sheets of white paper. So mm-hmm. they, they got, it's like, you know, every time they figure out what people are doing to try to get around the censorship, they come up with a new different type of censor, um, type type of thing to get around it. So it, it, it is pretty bad over there. And I'm not, you know, you, you, you probably won't find me wrapping myself in an American flag like that, uh, anytime soon. But I really did think to myself, like, wow, you know, this is one of those times when you're like, I'm glad I live in the U S because at least we have the illusion of, you know, free speech and, and, Mm -hmm. and it's written down somewhere and, and the government Mm -hmm. is not supposed to be able to do this type of thing here. So it did make me, you know, a little bit grateful. I was just going to say this is that, uh, you know, we complain a lot about what goes on in America because there's a lot to complain about the stuff that goes on here in America. That being said, our sign game is strong. Signage is strong over here. You could pretty much make signs to say and, you know, to pick pretty much whatever you want without fear of going to prison uh, because of what you wrote on a piece of cardboard. Um, usually I'm not saying that that's not always the case. I, you know, I know that there are probably some protesters out there like, Rob, you don't know what's going on out here in these streets. I'm just saying generally we don't have to worry about having blank poster boards. Because we're worried about it either being censored uh, from people with cell phones that are taking pictures of it uh, or the police are arresting us because of what our signs say. That that is that is usually something that's not going on on here. So, so I'm right with you on that. But yeah, I just thought, like I said, this was, this is a Twitter story that's not so much about the, uh, you know, about the acquisition, the recent acquisition of Twitter. This is just about, this is, this is the kind of stuff that gets Twitter regularly. And it just seems like, especially right now, this is the type of, uh, uh, you know, the type of thing that, uh, you know, that a government like China could exploit. Well, when you lay off half your workforce, this is kind of what you get. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> we might get to that in some after party, uh, you know, some discussions <laughs> of, what, of just what that workforce looks like. But um, this next story, y'all, did you know that uh, Alexa and, and basically Amazon's uh, voice devices are doing as poorly 
as they were. I, I read through this long ARS Technica article, and it, it's you know it's 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 a second to read it. But they're on pace, Amazon, to lose ten billion dollars on Amazon Alexa this year. And I always thought I thought the Alexa was like super popular. And what it turns out, it is. It is super popular. People love the device. What they don't do is spend money beyond buying the device. <laughs> so the problem that Amazon is having is that they sell all of these Alexa devices at darn near next to cost. Um, and their expectation was, well, people are going to use these devices to buy more things from Amazon. And that's absolutely not what's happening. People buy these devices because they want to say, you know, and I'm not going to do it because I don't want to throw people's, uh, you know, devices into doing stuff. But they say, hey, keyword, who won the Laker game last night? Hey, keyword, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? Hey, keyword, when is my next appointment? Those things are not right. money generating activities for uh, for Amazon. What Amazon was hoping was that people were going to actually go and say, hey, keyword, buy me some dirt, you know, some, um, you know, some soap detergent, you know, hey, keyword, uh, order me a new toothbrush heads. And that's absolutely not happening. And because of that, they're taking this big L on all this hardware. And this is one of the reasons why they've done the biggest layoff in Amazon's history. Uh, could it also be that the. Go ahead, Stephanie. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Terrence. I was going to say, could it be also that um, since the first iteration of the Echo devices, these new joints have been crap to where they really haven't <laughs> sold hardly any of them? If you look at the new Alexa devices, the Echo devices, they don't look attractive at all, even compared to the ones that just the uh, the initial, you know, run of the, you know, the little tall cylindrical um, echo devices than in the small hockey pucks. They didn't change them. They kind of right. look like home, uh, home pods and they got, they, this is like they just was just throwing stuff at the wall. And now they got some unattractive devices that, that also, like Rob said, nobody buys things on like the ones in my house. So we use them to set alarms and we use them to check the weather and that's it. <laughs> Well, see, the way my paranoia is set up, I, I don't have any of those things. I don't have my, my house is very dumb. There is no smart anything connected, um, in my home currently. I do own a Google, um, assistant, like a home, Google home, but it's in, it's in a box somewhere. Um, and I probably have an echo around here somewhere in a box that somebody gave me, but, um, I just ain't about that life. The thing that surprised me the most about the, uh, article though, besides the fact that they're on track to lose $10 billion, um, was the fact that they don't, um, they don't play any ads on Alexa. So I don't use it enough to know that you don't hear ads because I just always assume because you're giving so much information, even if you are just asking for weather or sports scores or turn on my lights or play this song, that's a lot of data. And I just assumed they were collecting that data and selling it like everybody else does, um, mm -hmm. who, who has any sense in their head to, you know, around how to make revenue, uh, at a tech company. So I was, I was very, very surprised that the, and it, it actually says, um, the, the plan never materialized though. It's not like Alexa plays ad breaks after you use it. So the hope was that people would buy things on Amazon via their voice. And so I'm just like, why wouldn't you play ad breaks? Like that, that just makes sense with, with a device like this. It just makes sense. And, and like I said, you can glean enough information, 
you know, from the stuff people do say to Alexa to, to, to do targeted advertising. So like Amazon just really, I don't know, just dropped the ball on that one. They was lunching on that one. <laughs> so my question, um, you know, to, to your point, Stephanie is the, you know, as big as a website that Amazon is, do they have enough web properties out there to where they can actually take what they learn from you via your Echo or, you know, or your Alexa device and present actual display ads in front of you exactly like Google does? Um, I'm thinking about, uh, I have, I have the Google Home. I have, and I have like three or four Google Home minis. So I have like, you know, uh, you know, one on each floor and then I have one, um, you know, and my wife has one in her office. Um, it is uncanny how quickly you can ask one of those devices something. And then within moments, that thing you asked for is an ad on YouTube. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's uncanny. It's like, wow, this, you know, I, I, I think to myself regularly, man, Google is on it. They, they are scrubbing all the data that I'm giving them and using it to make money off of me, you know, like a madman. I mean, they, they, they are doing their thing. And although I'm not really into the Alexa game, um, you know, my mother, those are the devices that my mother has. Um, and she uses them like I do ask for the weather, you know, ask for games, you know, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, you know, but th- there's no, there's nothing that comes after it. So as you were saying, there's no added plays. And then also there's no I mean, website that I'm going to, that's going to actually put that stuff in front crazy. of me. Cause it, that's like the low hanging fruit that would, would get them paid. Like, I just, I don't, I, I, I don't know how you, even if you thought, that people were going to use this to buy stuff, which, which is a valid, um, assumption. Like you got this thing on your thing, you're on your, on your kitchen counter and you need more toilet paper. Alexa, order me more toilet paper. If you order toilet paper from Amazon anyway, you could say, Alexa, order me more toilet paper. I get that. But this also is just that kind of no brainer. Since we get in information anyway, let's get multiple streams of income. Let's get our bag a couple different ways with, with orders and with selling the data like that just it just doesn't make any sense to me it doesn't make any sense to me that they don't serve you ads but <laughs> maybe people aren't just at the level to where they will use their voice to buy stuff you know people really like going shopping and touching items i've heard people say i still like to go touch it i still like to go try it on whatever the case may be secondly people will use an app they'll use an app and they'll see it they can read through the reviews. They can see what other people said. They can see what other things that are popular in this segment, in this category. They're okay with buying that way. Maybe people still ain't hip to order me some more toilet paper sight unseen because maybe they're scared that, I don't know, Amazon's going to back up a truckload of one-ply <laughs> scratchy toilet paper. I don't know. You know, um, the, to go yeah, through that whole process, you know, maybe maybe people ain't ready yet. <laughs> that's actually one of the that's things that the article that definitely could be. Yeah. Th- that's one of the things that this article alludes to that people just aren't ready to make purchases sight unseen when it's so easy to pick your phone up, see the thing that you want to purchase on Amazon and then buy it there. Um, so I, I was just but reading I thought by now though, 
you know, you would, you could have a list of preferences. Yeah, and, you gotta go set all that and, up. and it's like, so if I say Amazon ordered more rolls of toilet paper, you know, I want the Charmin extra soft and mm. not, you know, the, the, the generic John. So mm. like, I, 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 I get that. And I, and I understand why people may not just want to arbitrarily have that sort of direct link to spending money. Um, I think you want to put a people like putting a little friction in between uh, mm. them and their purchasing decisions just to make sure they actually want it, just to make sure, mm. you know, whatever. Um, but still, I, it, I just think Amazon really, they didn't, they didn't engineer this well, like the, the strategy behind how this was going to work and generate revenue for them. It didn't, it doesn't seem like they really thought it out all the way through. That's yeah, fair. yeah, it's it. That's that's absolutely fair. Um, but then I always try to think. It's like, okay, me and Terrence use these devices. They probably they probably made their money off of selling them at cost for us. But you know, when, when I just say regular people who just they got the the only reason they have the Echo is because it was on sale for nineteen dollars or twenty nine dollars or whatever it was, and oh, that's kind of cool. And they have it and they plug it in. And they don't even really think about it any more than they've done that to where they have, I, okay, I've got to go on Amazon and I've got to set up my preferences for the things that I like so I can easily right. tell, you know, I haven't done that. And that's absolutely, I, I buy stuff off of Amazon all the time. I, I would say that between Halloween and probably to a week after Christmas, there will be someone dropping off something from Amazon darn near every day here at my house. Um, so I am actually, the target and I've never gone in and set up preferences and done this and done that. So when I'm thinking of like, you know, like my brother, he, you know, like he, he's very technically, you know, technologically savvy, but he ain't into it. Like we into it. If I'm not doing it, I know he's not going to do it. I know if my brother's not doing it, then like my mother is, that's never going to happen for her. Um, not because she couldn't just because she's not, um, you know, for her, you know, it's, how much easier does it make it for me to do it that way as compared to pull my phone out and click on buy now? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering if, if Amazon is now figuring it out, you know, even though they have all this data on folks, uh, even though they, uh, are the biggest marketplace on the planet at this point, um, or at least, the, you know, the biggest one, um, in, in the Western world at this point. They, 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 they have all, they have all this data. They have all these people who are buying things, but they're not Google in the sense that the product is the person. Their products are still products. Even though they're collecting a ton of data on us, their products are still products. Google's product is us. They better. They better get hip to the game then and uh, start, start, uh, changing that, that mindset. Cause that, like I said, it just, it just doesn't make any sense for them not to be doing that. Right. And then not to be, I don't even know that they have used that as a selling feature because if, if you're, not, if you're deliberately not serving ads, I would think that, you know, you would, you would gain some level of market share with your hardware by, by promoting that. And they're not even using it. To their advantage to say, hey, we we're, we're not selling your data, you know, just yeah, they're they're not using they're they're not using it to the fullest extent of you know of their ability. I also wonder would people just uh <laughs> you're giving me ads, I, I don't want that because I'll be honest, it, it takes you a minute to get uh, blind to them, um, but when they first start, it's so easy to just not go back to using it. 
Um, I, I think about, uh, and I'm just, I'm changing gears here. I'm thinking about like a uh, YouTube. YouTube might be about to get some money out of me for ads because it's like every single, you know, I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and I just like, man, every time, every, every six or seven minutes, an ad comes up, an ad comes up, an ad comes up. And it's like, am, am I consuming enough content here that it makes sense for me to give them money every month to not have those ads come up? I'm thinking about that. But in the case of Amazon, I'm already giving Amazon money every month to actually have them deliver stuff to me. If now on top of that, you can start sending me ads and like, ah, no, it's just easier to just not use, you know, use that device. So I, I, I don't know. It's like, I was just, I was shocked by this because it's hard to go into somebody's home and not see a Google or an Echo device or something like that. And I, I do believe that there's more uh, Echoes and, and Alexa devices because Alexa is built into half of everything now. I think there's, you know, just so much of that out there. I would have thought that, oh, they're, they're actually doing quite well. But the problem, as we said, is that it's not about selling the Alexa at cost. It's about not selling any other services on top of it. So Amazon's got to get that figured out. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I want to make a little bit of a uh, of a uh, program change here. Um, I didn't pull this one story down about what the Department of Justice uh, is doing as far as uh, uh, real estate. Um, but uh, it looks like. They are opening an investigation into a real estate tech company uh, because the tech companies or this tech company is being accused of colluding with landlords. So basically, there's this service uh, that, you you know, that landlords can use to, to do, a, do a lot of things. But one of the things uh, that this uh, service can do is actually tell you what rents are in similar properties that you don't own, um, you know, in different locations that may be close to yours. And what it looks like landlords are doing now is they're getting together on this app and it's like, okay, we're going to raise our rent here. You, you know, you could also raise your rent there. That way you won't have people who are, you know, who are looking at, you know, these like apartments in a particular area. A hundred dollars a month can really make a difference. But if all the, uh, you know, if, if all the landlords know that they need to be within thirty, forty dollars of each other, they're using these apps to actually, you know, kind of, uh, illegally set their prices. Um, which is which is a big problem because that basically allows them to over time infinitely raise their rates without really having um, you know a market driver push them down. So that's that's a problem for me. It's a, it should be a problem for a lot of folks, but that particular one is a problem for me. Yeah. 
I think especially with the way rents are in, in major cities, especially, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to afford to live in San Francisco or New York City or, you know, L.A. And it's just it, when people do things like this, it just the, the level of greed that goes into making these types of decisions when you're talking about shelter and, and housing, it, it, it never it never ceases to amaze me. It never ceases to amaze or sicken me, really. Yeah, what, what made me even come across this story is that I was uh, um, on, I think it might have been a Facebook group. And somebody just asked a question. It's like, so when did rent start costing more than mortgages? And the general response was kind of like forever. It's, it's, like, it's like it's been that way for an awfully long time. And they were talking about it's like, yeah, it's like I'm trying to literally rent um, you know, an apartment, um, and it costs XYZ dollars a month, or I could buy the condo across the street that literally is exactly the same as the apartment that I'm trying to buy. And granted, I would have to have a down payment that would not be required for the apartment. The apartment only required like first month, I think with, you know, to, you know, to get that mortgage, you, you're going to have to do probably, you know, 15%, 20%. Um, but it was like, but you know, if I were, if I do that, and then just pay the mortgage. I'm actually paying 20, 30% less than what the rent is. And it's like, yeah, welcome to earth. I mean, <laughs> welcome to the world. That's, that's kind of how it is. But if landlords are now using software like this to actually, okay, how can we drive the rent up even more? Man, that's like you said, it's, I, you know, I own property. I, I don't have a problem with landlords charging what their, you know, what their property is worth and actually making a profit off of it. But when you're just gouging because you can, you've, you've now, you know, you got some buddies on some software and you can figure out how, you know, what if we, if we raise it up in this development and this development and this development and everybody kind of all, you know, winks and nods and we're, okay, we're all going to go up, you know, 10%. We're all going to go up 20% over normally, you know, what we do. Then residents really don't have a choice. If they want to live in this area and one of these five, 10, 12 different complexes, uh, they're really going to have no choice because we've all raised our rates up. Um, I'm glad the that the government's looking the qu- into this. But the question is, whose fault is it? Is it the, yeah, the government can look into it all they want to, but is the question is, is this the people who use the software's fault or is it the software's fault? Because again, according to this uh, story in ProPublica, what happened was, was some of the landlords that use, let me see if I can find it, uh, real, real page, they had a user group, a forum mm-hmm. that includes landlords who uses the company software. They had grown to a thousand members who meet in private at an annual conference to take part in quarterly phone calls. And that is what, um, is bringing about all this anti-competitive coordination, so on and so forth. Right. So I guess the question is, um, people take software and use it and mold it to their benefit. But who's responsible, right? Is, is, is this, is, should the government come down on this, uh, group who, um, real page and I forget the, the two, uh, pieces of software. Uh, but could, could, could the, could these pieces of software be like, Hey man, <laughs> we put well, out the it, software. It sounds man. <laughs> like they just provided the platform, right. but the people found a way to exploit mm-hmm. the platform mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. their own benefit. Mm-hmm. They can say, "Hey, man, we do it. We can put in these that, this, that, and the third. But I mean, y'all should be, 
hitting these landlords and directly. And that's, <laughs> and, that's, and, that's, and that's always the case. Like for, for whatever you do, somebody is going to mm-hmm. find a way to get mm-hmm. over. And then when you do something else, they're going to find a way to get around it. And it just, mm-hmm. it just sucks. Like I said, this is people's, you know, way of living and you, people need shelter and, and you shouldn't be out here trying to, to gouge people into, into, um, situations that are, are going to put them in a precarious spot. Yeah. This is the one you said you wasn't wrapping an American flag around your body anytime soon. This is why. Listen, <laughs> this is why. So no capitalism. Yeah. yeah th- this is one of the ones where, um, I think, if the if 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 the DOJ is going to open up an investigation, they have to look at the software because that's what's making this possible. But they also have to look into the landlords that are colluding with each other. The, to me, the actual landlords colluding with each other is a bigger problem because if they were to, if you had a bunch of different uh, companies that all decided, hey, we're all going to get together, we're going to meet up at the lodge or wherever it is they meet up, and we're going to collude with each other to artificially raise uh, prices. Uh, across everything, okay. unless you are the NFL or Major League Baseball, we, the government the really doesn't like those the, kind of things happening. Unless the government is doing it via these global banks, this Credit Suisse and IMF and yeah. uh, the said, World Bank and, the, and, and all that. <laughs> now y'all want to come that. down on the on the little landlords right. that decided to do it. Right, right, banks right, and right. The, and, and, the and, landlords the, the ones that got to fall on their sword, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. Like, like, like I said, I, th- this one was interesting to me because as somebody yeah. who owns commercial real estate, is like. <sighs> You, you got to be careful of this. I, I, I just think, are we living in a dream world when we say that you just need to, you know, make a fair profit, treat people right, and and run a good company? Yes, we're living in a dream world because, no, it's like, no, we want to make all the money, all the money that is legally possible for us to make, we want to make. And then even if it ain't legal, let's try to skirt, let's try to dance on that line um of you know if we can just be in front of where the legislation is going to come then we can make more money just make all of it so and i don't want people to think that i am anti-capitalist i am not at all this this is not that it's just that i know i, I remember when my daughter was looking for an apartment um uh when she was going to the university of maryland uh just outside of dc it's it's impossible to, unless you want 11 roommates, it's, it's impossible to find, you know, good. It's like, wait a minute. I could literally be 15 minutes down the road and pay half for a much bigger, nicer apartment. And it's like location is everything. And it's like, uh, so th- this one's just, it was just kind of close to my heart because it's like, I, I, I know how difficult it is for people to go out and try to find, uh, you know, you know, um, you know, just places to live. So, y'all, before we, uh, you know, get to this last story um, that we're going to talk about, um, you know, I, I did want to just mention this as, as a quick hit um, and see if either of you had anything uh, to say on this. So, uh, you know, the UK is launching a probe into Apple and Google over their mobile dom- dominance with browsers because I believe the number was 97 percent of people on phones use Safari or use uh, Chrome. And I'm thinking, are you kind of barking up the wrong tree? Because those are the defaults that come on mobile phones. Now, granted, you can go and you can download, uh, you know, other browsers and use them. But 
what do you want the, you know, what is Google supposed to do? What is Apple supposed to do? They, do they now have to, to, uh, you know, to, to get past these probes from the UK? Do they have to just start installing other people's stuff on their devices and hope that people well, use think, it? I think they're probably going to, if, if I was these governing bodies and it's funny, cause you just, you just put that, that number out there, 97%. So like all of them. Um, but then in the next paragraph, it says, we plan to investigate whether the concerns we have heard are justified. And if so, <laughs> identify steps to improve competition. I'm like, it's 97%. I, I think the pro, I think at least the probe is justified. Whether you do anything about it or not, I think it's at least justified to investigate. But, um, if, if I was one of these, uh, European governing, you know, bodies, I think what I might do as a, as a, to mitigate the, appearance of uh anti-competition is ask p on setup like when you turn your when you get a new device mm-hmm. and you turn it on and mm-hmm. you're stepping through the hello screen and mm-hmm. and, and doing all that at connecting your iCloud account like mm-hmm. ask which browser you want you know right. and and offer them a choice of you know chrome safari you know, duck, duck, go, whatever the case might be, um, offer them a choice of, of browser. I think that's probably, probably one of the few things you, you can do, um, as, as default or just keep making it so that a pop up comes up every time you open your browser saying, do you want to like, um, Edge, Edge does that in, in Windows. Microsoft does that. Like if, if for some reason I use Edge on my, on my PC, um, it always asks me if I want to mm-hmm. make Edge my default browser. I'm like, no, I don't. I only opened it because because that's where the link took me. Um, and so you know maybe they could do something like that too. Right. Um, and they kind of already do that a little bit. That same scenario that you just mentioned, Stephanie, as it relates to Windows and whether you're using Edge or Chrome or whatever the case may be, it kind of does that on mobile devices a little bit, a little bit. Now it's not as prominent. But there are some times where I've opened up a, a Chrome, a, um, a Chrome website. No, other way around, a, a Safari website and, uh, um, Chrome will say, Hey, uh, you know, do you want to make this, you know, we see your, your Chrome is not your default browser. Do you want to use it? And you can right. easily, you can easily on the back end after you set everything up, you can go in and change your default mail browser, default web browser, default, default a uh, bunch of other things right but like you said like i mentioned you got to do that on the back end right what's right. a quick quick shut up <laughs> that apple and right. google could do could do it like you just mentioned on the onset which browser you want to use which mail app you want to use which calendar what's your default contacts what's your default notes whatever the case may be and then let people choose. Now, most people, you know, especially like people like me who are in the ecosystem or most people who understand the importance of, well, if I use the mail app on an iPhone, that's going to give me a more of a, uh, an, an intended, um, use user, um, experience, experience versus using Outlook or using whatever the case may be. Most people are going to end up clicking the things that the main company wants you to pick anyway. But, you know, a quick shut up would be like, all right, well, we'll do it on the front end. And then it may drop to 96 percent. So it's like, all right, we right. gave them the choice. <laughs> it's still yeah. high. Now what you going to do? <laughs> yeah. I think what they going to do if they if they did something like that, though, I think 
what a couple of things they would do. Number one, um, prioritize theirs at the top choice as the top sure, choice course, and, yeah. and explain why you want to pick this one versus the other ones and all the rest of that. Um, but I also think, you know, something while that seems like a logical, um, option, um, I think it would degrade the, your experience on the phone in general because some people won't pick what they probably should have picked and, or, or won't even know what to pick and they'll be picking some random stuff and then their experience using the device is going to degrade uh, because they've picked these random things and now you're going to be blaming the, the device maker instead mm. of these regulations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, di- I didn't look at this as Google and Apple are doing stuff like what Microsoft bit, did back in today to where they made it darn near impossible to not have Internet Explorer be the default. It was like you literally had to sign away a child to not have Internet Seriously. Explorer be the default and come back and set it a- as the default, even if you chose to do something else. This is just more or less. Well, here's what comes on it. If you want, you know, and I don't know about the iPhone, but with Android, any browser you want to put on Android, you just download it and install it, set it to your default, and, and then you're rocking with it. You don't have to jump through a ton of hoops, um, you know, in order to make it work. Um, and most people just, it's kind of like, you know, I look at it like this. When you buy a house, um, generally, if you're, if you're doing a new build house, the toilets that come in the house, you might, you might upgrade, you know, some people might upgrade and they get a bidet and this and that and the other, but most folks are coming with the standard toilets that come in the house. It's, it's just, these are the ones that came on it. And it's not until you do a reno years later that you decide, Oh, I want to get the toilet that has the heated, you know, the heated seats on it. Or, you know, I want a high rise or, or whatever the case is. You just bought the house and this happened to be what came in the house. You know, you didn't get a different sink. Um, you know, the house came with this sink and it's just the sink that you use. That, that may not be the greatest example in the world, but that's kind of what I think about when you just buy stuff and the things that you bought, it just came with, you know, um, something you could, you, you could absolutely go and download something else for free and install it and use it, but it requires that the user actually do that. So I, I wonder what the remedy would be here. Are they going to go and like I said, you know, m- making an option? He, here are other browsers that that's cool, but you know, w- where's the cutoff? Um, you know, I'm certain well, that it would be, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, so yeah. So no, if it's an Android device, it comes with Chrome as the default, but you could also have Firefox. Maybe you have, um, uh, let's see another, you have edge on there. Um, maybe brave browser, but then like opera is opera the cutoff because it's less than 1% of people who, you know, who use browsers use opera. Um, you know, you know, where does that cut off? At some point, somebody's going to get mad. It's like, you know, or is, are you going to be like the smuckers aisle at the, uh, at the grocery store? You ever go to the smuckers aisle to where it's just 1912 different jellies and you stand there and you can never select one because it's, the options are so many. It's so you just get great. Yeah, you just get great because you don't know what else you're and supposed you to can't pick. regulate technical competency. Yeah, you know, so. you're, you're asking something of, of the public and not that the public's not necessarily technically competent, but not everybody is going to do their due diligence to understand why you're choosing, why you're making these choices. They're not, most people won't care. Number one. Um, and then the rest are just aren't going to just aren't going to do the due diligence or aren't going to understand why you need to make these choices. And, and sometimes, you know, there is such a thing as too much choice and, you know, if, if this is my phone, 
then damn it, I'm putting my browser on my phone. <laughs> like you, you want to, you want to put your, if Opera, if Firefox, you want to put a browser on a phone, make a Firefox phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> we are, we are investing the, the resources and the energy and the R and D and the, and the, and the capital in, in creating this hardware. Mm-hmm. So that we can promote our software mm-hmm. and the idea that, you know, now all of a sudden we got to let everybody have a seat at the table. It, it, it's not realistic. It's not sustainable. Um, and, and, you know, it's not necessarily fair either. It's just when it comes to browser selection. Now app stores are, are different, but right. you know, when, when, when we're talking about browsers, I, I, I think this is a little bit of an overreach, um, on the part of the European you know, organization. Last thing I'll say on this, I, I wonder also, and this may be only in the case of Android, but isn't that kind of up to the, uh, the OEMs as well? Because I'm thinking like, uh, my, uh, my mother-in-law has a boost mobile phone. Mm-hmm. When she gets the phone and turns the phone on, there's boost mobile apps on there. Now, oh, if, there's all kind of now, crap on, um, <laughs> my, my, uh, you know, I, I, that's, that's my uh, mother-in-law has the boost mobile phone. My mother has the exact same phone, but she got hers right from Google or, or right from, um, right from Samsung has none of the boost mobile stuff on it. So mm-hmm. whose decision is it to actually put the stuff on the phone? Boost right. mobile said, we want these apps on here. So I wonder if the UK looks at that, do they have to look at the phone manufacturers and say, hey, not the phone manufacturers, but the the OEMs and say, you need to, you know, give additional option because, you know, Google is not determining that, you know, Boost Mobile puts Boost Mobile stuff on Boost Mobile phones. Boost Mobile is determining that. And I would imagine that, you know, any any other company where you're getting that branded phone from them, you know, does the same. So this will be just an interesting one to look at and see where this one goes, because it, it, it reminded me a lot of the old Internet Explorer days. But it's different because. Neither neither Apple or Google is making it so that you can't install something else. It's just that they're installing their default stuff. So I will say though, hmm? I, I I appreciate uh Europe and the UK's efforts to try to stay on top of this type of shit. Because America don't give a uh, about <laughs> what these tech companies do, how they do it, what they collected. Like we we are so far behind in that regard. So, you know, at at a minimum, you know, I, I don't think this particular initiative is is feasible, but at a minimum I appreciate the effort. I actually had somebody asking, it wasn't about the tech job, but it was about another tech show. And they said, why do you talk about what the EU does so often? And it's like, because it's a window into if the EU does it and passes it a year and a half later, the United States is going to follow along, not because it was the right thing to do, but because the manufacturers of the devices decided it was easier to have a world default than it was to have one phone for the EU and one phone for everywhere else. So that that's literally one of the reasons why we follow. It's like if they do this there, it's going to happen here just because it's easier. It's, it's, it's easier for them to, you know, to make as much money as they can by just making one default for everybody. So, um, so yeah, that's why we talk about it. But y'all, we have a spotlight this week and, and I'm looking through. This might be the first spotlight who was actually a millennial. Uh, the person we're going to talk about today, let me go ahead and bring it up here. Uh, she is, I want to say in her early thirties. So today we're going to be talking about Annie Jean Baptiste. So 
This week's spotlight shines on Annie Jean-Baptiste, head of product of inclusion and equity at Google and author of Building for Everyone, the first book about building inclusive products across intersections of 12 dimensions of diversity. Annie's list of accomplishments and accolades are long. Graduating from the University of Pennsylvania with degrees in international relations and political science, she currently serves as an entrepreneur in residence at the University of Pennsylvania's Graduate School of Education, a facilitator for Penn's Chief Learning Officer Business Acumen Program, and a member of both the CTA Health Equity and Access Leadership Coalition and sits at the IEE's Executive Committee, um, Ethically Aligned Design Committee, and co-chairs the DEI Committee. Annie was inducted into the Haitian Roundtable's 1804 Society as one to watch and inducted as one of the 30 black stars for Face to Face Africa in 2019. She's a former American Heart Association spokesperson and a One Young World ambassador focused on healthy lifestyles in underserved communities. She's also a former Hack the Hood mentor. At Google, Annie built the practice of product and inclusion and equity in order to expand how product teams thought about inclusion as it relates to the development and design. Since the launch of the product inclusion team in 2014, many companies across industries have followed suit and have created their own product inclusion teams and strategies. Annie has also been covered in Vogue, Essence Magazine, Business Insider, Teen Vogue, MSNBC, CNBC, ABC, Cheddar, Business Insider, The Huffington Post, The Root, The Council of Fashion Designers of America Annual Report, The Miami Times, Bustle, Boston Globe, and Fortune Magazine. Quite literally, like many other black women, Annie John Baptiste does everything. And I just wanted to put this one in here because actually somebody on Twitter said, hey, this might be a good person for, you know, for your spotlight. You're always picking folks who are who are older, who are of past. And I'm like, OK, yeah, let me, let me go with some, you know, the young. Like I said, she is in her early 30s. She has got a lot of accolades for somebody that is that young. And as I said, you know, as many black women do, she does kind of a little bit of everything. So want to give our shout out and our flowers to Annie Jean-Baptiste. Over Hashtag at Google. Black Girl Magic. You ain't lying. It's like I, I, I purposely read everything because <laughs> she does a little bit of everything. Love to see it. So y'all, we did not have a new patron this week. Um, so that I think that broke actually probably four or five weeks straight that we've had one. Um we either had a patron or we've had somebody give us a raise. So uh, we didn't have one, but I will once again tell folks how you can become a patron of the Tech John. Just head it over to patreon.com um, forward slash the Tech John. That's the Tech J-A-W-N. And over there, we have three tiers. Any one of those tiers, as we said earlier, gives you access to our live stream and um, our after party. And I believe we have a couple tiers over there that even get you an ad free uh, RSS stream um, directly on Patreon. So you don't have to hear our ads if you're listening to the actual uh, podcast episode, version of the show. So once again, that is patreon.com forward slash the tech John. So with that, we're uh, going to go ahead and wrap our show up. Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and tell folks how they can get at you? You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph. And I mean, if you're feeling like you need to see a little bit more Tech Life Steph, check out QVCplus.com and search for the 10 Minute Tech Break. I do some content now for QVC's streaming channel. Um, and today in particular, I there are a bunch of Cyber Monday uh, tech gift recommendations that are on the homepage. So check out QVCplus.com as well. All right, you can find me everywhere on the interwebs at Brother Tech. That's B R O T H A T E C H. 
And you can find me everywhere at Rob Dunwood. And you know what? I'm actually on Mastodon. But I'd be lying if I could tell you how to find me over there. So I have to actually write something up. That's kind of one of the issues with Mastodon. We'll probably talk about that in a future episode of the show. But we are also everywhere online at The Tech John as well. So come and holler at us there. And y'all, until we meet again in a week's time, peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> <laughs>